Welcome back. This is Mike Flanders. This is my podcast. And today I'm with a longtime friend, songwriter. We've worked on multiple songs together. We probably met, I'd say, probably around 2010, maybe. And this is Mitzi Dawn. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> so it's kind of been weird. Um, since I started doing these podcasts, you know, 95.5% of them have been pretty much discussing an artist I've worked with and the songs that we've kind of written or, you know, the production sort of format or the fabric of the song or whatever. This is a very different one, this one today, because so far all the people we've spoken to, uh, the body of work's been pretty much, you know, very minimal or just the record or whatever. But Mitzi and I met under unusual circumstances mm. through a next-door neighbour on Music Row when Music Row was Music Row. And um, we, she had an admin uh, deal through uh, a lady and I had the same admin deal through the same lady. And we kept bumping to each other next door and eventually we, uh, we decided one day to write a song. So... I distinctly remember that the day we wrote our first song, I was working on Michael Bryars's second record, which I'm now actually working on his third record, oh. and um, which is kind of fun. Um, and the first song we wrote was... Um, see if you remember. Um, Notebook. Yes! Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so she came in and I was playing some slide on Michael's uh, Michael's record and uh, she had a notebook. So mm. you can sort of kick in on the notebook and then we'll keep the story rolling. <laughs> I feel like the notebook was, uh, oh, Lord, it was trauma. I had just gotten mm. sober. Mm. I was just coming out of like a crippling cocaine addiction. <laughs> That's I think good. I had like serotonin withdrawal, like all of that. Like I was just super sad. And somebody, uh, John Stone, his mother, Mama Stone, had given me an assignment to finish the word. Like I do this and I like this and I uh. don't like that. You know, just to try to like connect with myself because I was so disconnected. And we had come together to write and the surprising thing was um, about Michael that was so beautiful and amazing is that normally when we come together to write with somebody, especially somebody like Michael who's got success, this cricket is stalking me. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> um, somebody who's got success is that, you know, they want to they wanna write for a particular artist, especially somebody like figure out who's going to um, have the best success and, and bang for your buck kind of a thing. Like, yeah. oh, so, yeah, right so for Faith Hill or yeah, whoever today. Faith Hill, yeah. 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 And so when I got there and he just was like, no, it's what you got in your notebook. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, you don't want to look in here. <laughs> <laughs> and did. I did. And he, that was so magical. I forgot all about that. But you started playing yep. a track that you had and I started yep. singing the top of the notebook. And when I sang the last word in the notebook, your track ended. Yeah. And yep. then he said, all right, now go lay it down. Yeah, and that, and that was the start. And then That's crazy. I it went from that. there. It went from there to then. You played me um, razor blades and whiskey, mm -hmm. and um, I remember going, "Oh my god, I got to get the I've got to get the Pro Tools files for razor blades and whiskey," and 
because I, I, I fell in love with the lyric. I mean, you know, tell them the uh, tell them the chorus. I mean, um, we're like cocaine in a paycheck, a rope in a lonely neck, a strong drug in a weak vein, mascara in the rain. Yeah, yeah. When you're with me, we're like razor blades and whiskey. So I was like, oh my God, it's Lucinda Williams, right? <laughs> so so I um I I was. I obtained the Pro Tools files over several weeks, finally, <laughs> and I took them home on a weekend, and uh, and I, I went down into my little room, and I started playing all these whacked-out steel guitar parts, and my wife's like, what's this, you know? And I said, it's like a good Lucinda Williams kind of vibe. And so I was kind of like a, you know, a chemist that's discovered some new serum, you know? And uh, so I'm fiddling with that, and... And then we kind of just started, each time we'd get together, I mean, I was um, working for Pacific International Music, so I kind of was driving my own ship. You were still signed to Blake, or were you signed to Doc McGee at that time? It was still with um, RPM Music, Blake Chansey. Right, yeah. so you were there. So, so we kind of had a reason to write. We had a reason to demo. And so we started writing and then recording what ended up becoming a record, mm -hmm. but we never intended mm -hmm. to. It was just, let's just write something. And it's kind of just started poking along that way. And each song kind of took their own, you know, uh, their own direction because of the mood she was in. And if she was in a, a different mood, I remember one day she walks in and, and she said, Flanders, I got nothing. And I went, sick love. And then so we wrote a song. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting thing about the beginning of this relationship was that one day she came in and she said, oh, you're not going to believe that this fight in the apartment upstairs. Mm. And I said, oh, what was it about? And she kind of explained it. And uh, you had just come back from <laughs> Seattle or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and so I had my guitar tuned to an open D tuning and I started playing and she wrote Happy, and that's on the record. Mm. So we wrote this song called Happy, and it was describing what she had just, um, just you know, overheard, I suppose, wasn't it really? And uh, But the funny side of it is yeah. we'd written like six or seven songs by this point that we kind of thought they were good, and, <laughs> and then she plays them to... to uh, What's his name? Blake. No, you played oh. him to the guy down at... Uh, oh, Frank Rand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who has an incredible history, right? Michael uh, Jackson. Michael Jackson. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 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 <laughs> so he calls me up yeah. and leaves a message on my phone that says, oh, you guys need to write. And we'd Bitsy had already handed like seven songs <laughs> that were obviously oblivious to him. Right. And we were so, we were so sort of chuffed about it. I actually recorded the uh, phone message and put it in my iTunes of him saying, you guys have got to get together more often and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, So that's kind of where all this started. We, we ended up playing some shows. We, we ended up um, doing a little tour at one point mm -hmm. with Siobhan Magnus, the American Idol finalist or runner-up finalist. Mm -hmm. um, we went up to Boston and up to Cape Cod and uh, and we also wrote several songs on that record and I think you wrote with my wife Chase on that record mm -hmm. and, um, and then we wrote and you did too on the multi-platinum pop singer, the Nicky Webster thing we wrote on. Yeah. But then sort of time kind of went on and Music Row started sort of 
deforming itself mm. and we all started having to move out of that area. We were in a building back then that was just glorious on 18th Avenue. Uh, we were 813 18th Avenue South and now there's big apartment buildings and RPM who they just spent you know, half a million dollars or something on that studio, that all got torn That's down, right. didn't it? just built it. They just built all, the yeah, studio. so crazy. And Dolly Parton's signature was in the concrete, mm-hmm. and they, um, I rang Danny Nozell, Dolly's manager, and they came and actually got the piece of concrete and put it in his truck oh, and drove good. away. Um, so the demise of Music Row happened, and then I moved across to Berry Hill. Um, around the time that I moved across... Mitzi got another deal through a private guy mm-hmm. and then we started exploring film and TV things and we would go out to Los Angeles and we got to write with Adam Sandler's girl <laughs> and she was a nut and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we wrote with, uh, we went up to, what did he call it, Villa Z up in Santa Barbara and Adam's place, remember, up there and Yeah. And what about the when we went to that crazy club with the guy Mike, Mike Judge. Judge? Wow, that was a spin out, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's... We just like Mike Judge just invited us to a restaurant which we thought was like a restaurant, but it was like a private club yeah. where you could get nachos for like a hundred and fifty dollars. But yeah. thank God we didn't have to pay. I know. Well, <laughs> And, and we, we, we pulled in in this squeaky old hire car yeah. down into this basement and there was all these beautiful suburban SUVs and Demi Moore gets yes. out, remember? Demi, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And Colin Hanks and all these famous people and Mike's like, don't bring a camera. And <laughs> he was more interested that night in talking about steel guitar than anything else. Anything. And, and I just wanted to kind of find out what his game was, but... He's messaged me quite a lot about different things over the last few years, you know. He's so yeah. great. He's kind of odd, but uh, yeah. obviously his story was amazing and it was mm-hmm. an experience. I mean, because, I mean, I had no clue who he was when he he, it, he it hit us up strangest. somehow. Well, I don't know. Clifton Collins Jr., the actor. Yeah. Who also did um, Jamie Johnson's video. Um, he produced a video, but he's the actor. He's the one that was like, oh, my buddy Mike, he loves razor blades, and you should message him. And so I did. And then I looked up who he was and was like, holy crap, That's Beavis right. and Butthead. Like, yeah, we were the- on the plane, and you were yeah, like, look at this like, dude. Look at this guy. Like, he's, 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 like, really amazing. And um, so he just wanted to hang out, but I wasn't sure. You remember? Yeah, yeah. I was like, Mike. Yeah. See, I brought Mike just because I was nervous because I wasn't sure. And yeah. then when I brought him, I just the two of them just... Talked about steel guitar. Talked about steel talk. guitar. I sat yeah. there and ate $150 plate of nuts. And the food, <laughs> considering the place, the food was not really that good. No, it was just the atmosphere, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. And he, uh, he was a massive fan of Lloyd Green, and he couldn't believe that I'd recorded with Lloyd Green. And um, Lloyd's 82 now, so... Uh, so skip along, we started doing things like that. So and crazy. then we had she had that deal and I was still with Pacific International Music in another building. And then we started kind of having, you know, like one day a week where we would compose in the afternoon mm-hmm. and Dustin and was with us and then we'd kind of create master recordings and I don't know how many tunes we've written together. It's probably over a hundred, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure. Because we wrote on a lot of Australian artists' records, mm-hmm. and then we wrote things with, you know, Loretta's granddaughter, and mm-hmm. you know, lots of different people. So who knows 
what's even got lost in the net, you know? know. But I've got probably, I would think I've got about 80 or so in my iTunes. Yeah. You know, because I've got, you know, fuck you disease and, <laughs> and I've got our version of, um, uh, remember we did a version of Johnny Cash's Ringer? Oh, I've I got know. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's all the stuff we wrote with Betsy. Yep. Um, and there's the stuff we wrote with Adam. And um, so that's all in my iTunes. So, you know, there's a lot of material sitting there, you know. There's so many. And they're really, you know what's funny? You mentioned Frank Rand. He's retired now. And he is in uh, where retired people go in California, uh, Palm Springs. Oh, jeez. Yeah, fancy butt. Um, and he called me. To tell me he was listening through, this was recent, a hand to God, to tell me he was listening through to our catalog, and he really thinks that there's some great songs in there, and he's going to try to sell the catalog. Wow. And I And he just thought I should know, and I'm just cracking up because there's so many, there are great songs in there. I was hoping that I was going to make some money and go and scoop in and, and grab it without anybody noticing. But mm-hmm. he's noticing. So yeah, um, right, we'll right. have to let it yeah, sit yeah, for a yeah, second. But yeah, We didn't say that on the mic. Yeah, no, no. He just, but he just called me. He's so random, that dude. So random. Just like, I just want you to know I dropped the ball. and like, I know you could have got these cut if we would have figured it out. So your, your latest, you did get a nice big cut recently though, right? Oh, Reba. Uh, didn't you get the Ronnie Dunn? Tune? Oh yeah, R- yeah, Ronnie Dunn. But the latest one was Reba McIntyre. I didn't even know about nowhere. that. Really? <laughs> yes. So what's the title? It's called While You Were Sleeping. Wow. And you know how usually we pitch a song like we pitch it, and then we hear it's on hold, and then we hear like, oh, she cut it, or he, you know, whatever, and then you got to wait to hear it. Did it make the record? All these things. The last two cuts, the Ronnie Dunn and this Reba McIntyre. They just called me, the label called me, needed label copy information. They just rang you yourself. Yeah, and she was like, um... How do they even find you? Just through BMI registration mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. yeah, so they call me up and they're like, we, we need your information for this Reba cut. And I was like, I feel like you're the wrong person. Well, you didn't even <laughs> remember you wrote it? I knew I wrote it, but I didn't... I mean, that song is called While You Were Sleeping... It's the one of the first songs that I wrote when I moved it in a co-write when I moved here 17 years ago. Holy dooly. So that means... So the, who was the co-writer? So that's where it gets funny. <laughs> John? No, the co-writer is Robin Bruce and um, Bonnie Baker. And the reason it's funny is that, you know, during active addiction, long story short... I was named in Robin Bruce's and Trey Bruce, Trey Bruce, anyway, in their divorce as like why they got divorced. Because you brought that young artist in or whatever, or that time, or well, I know there was some kind of squirrely shit or whatever. Yeah, he wound up. He married her sister, but um, before he married her, she blamed me. So I haven't seen her since then, and I'm like, oh god. This is probably gonna be my luck. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, she's oh, gonna go. We're, gonna gonna, like, we're not cutting this tune. Or no, what I was thinking is like she's gonna cut it, and I would have to go to the awards and hear about what a terrible person I yeah. am for my co-writer on the microphone. <laughs> she wrecked my marriage. I don't know. I should be laughing, but like it gave me a mini, mini heart attack when I heard like what song it was. I was like, why that one? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to have to. Holy dooly! Yeah. So. 
But it was 17 years ago. They just called. And so this song is very country, and it just must have been either something that Buddy Cannon has been hanging on to, waiting on one of his, like... Uh, he knows songs, that dude, man. Yeah, he's, I think uh, he just, like... He's deep. That cat's I, deep. Yeah, I don't know how he... W I don't know how they would have heard it any other way. It's man. so country, though. And... Um, When's it come out? It's out. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She just... She released... I mean... It's it's on her record stronger than the truth. Man, I got to hear it. That's amazing. Yeah. So he, well, I suppose while Mitzi's talking about seventeen years, <laughs> um, you know, I I got the edge of a lot of these stories, you know, because I've been here twelve years and we probably met after I was here f maybe three or four years. So she, um, <laughs> I would say something and she'd say, oh well, you know, we came to town at the same time. So she used to hang out with Eric Church, John Rich. Gretchen Wilson, and they were all at your at your starting blocks, weren't they? Mm -hmm. When I moved here, Eric moved my couch up three flights at like Eric Church. Yeah, it was you moved me. Your couch. Yeah, it was me and Eric and John Stone, John Stone and Eric Church. We were three peas in a pod. We did everything together. And when one of us didn't have money, the other one would pay. Yeah. The rule was that I was going to make it first because I was pretty. <laughs> And then John was going to make it second because he was super persistent. And then we were going to help Eric. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, Eric, happened. do you remember that time? Yeah, so Eric, and then Eric wrote that song. It changed everything, one song, that Ride the Lightning. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to know who Eric was. Well, he's got a kind of a very cool thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, he does. Was he cool then? Or he, He's always been a sweetheart. I don't know that I would have used the word cool, and he wouldn't be angry with me. I mean, like, yeah. you know, they both had, like, kind of mullets, and their jeans were super tight and pulled up high, like the Wrangler, yeah. you they know. Yeah, to be cowboys yeah, kind of dude. Yeah, it was adorable. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, so great. So that was Eric, and did he really think, did any of those guys think they were just going to be songwriters, or they always thought they were going to be artists, songwriters? I think that... John always thought he would be an artist, John Stone, and he's still working on it. Eric was just happy to be John did have some hits, mm -hmm. that Rascal Flatts thing he wrote yeah. with Jeffrey Steele and yeah. whatever, right? Oh, so yeah, he's done great. That and was always written for John, though, wasn't it? I don't think that was ever written for Flatts, was it? I don't I don't think John even liked I remember when he wrote the song, he was disappointed because he was getting in the room with these iconic writers and he was just like, oh my God, it's called Me and My Gang. And but yeah, then, <laughs> now, now I've made him half of me and bucks yeah, or something. He's yeah. fine with it, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 but yeah. yeah, they were just, so, you know, and John, John Rich, he had like a little tiny apartment and we would make jello shots and have parties. And um, it's crazy watching your friends become superstars. Superstar. Yeah, and watching them and it's just like, it doesn't, you, I don't know, I don't think that you ever stop looking at them as like those kids that you, Yeah. you know what I mean? Of course, because that it's kinda it like takes your you son. back to your time. Your son's playing in front of thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're still looking at him like, you better get your Yeah, yeah get your ass over here, you yeah. need to play a guitar part. Right. I, mean, I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, Dad. I got you, Dad. He's yeah. like, he just came back from Brazil playing stadiums, you know. And he's can I say, like, he he was just this little, sweet, little chubby baby. Yeah. And he is just a gorgeous man now. Oh, yeah. Like, when Check I see muscles, him, I know. I yeah. see him online. I'm just like, what yeah. in the world, Ben? He just went. Like, he's gorgeous. Well, it started with wanting to eat better. 
because I think, you know, Wasn't him and... with my ex-in-laws, the Jenkins out there, do working out for the first time? Uh, yeah, probably with Matt Moz. Moz. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, that ah. may be where it all started. I mean, I think he started to get into the fitness thing there, but now it's just a, an everyday occurrence, and mm-hmm. I think he goes out on the road, Dango will work out. I don't know if Scott works out with him, but Scott's so fit too. Um, and they, they, I believe they ask him about... Um, your fashion stuff and all kinds of stuff, you know. So it's kind of funny, and he's uh, he's become the musical director of that band, of course. And now there's a you know new record, and now it's kind of really hooking along. So he's yeah. got a pretty good job, and they're good people, you know, to yeah. work with for him. So it's incredible so, to watch that. So talk about well, I mean, th- anyone would love this conversation because you're talking about people that were nobody that are somebody. But what was your first meeting or impression of Gretchen? Oh, <laughs> maybe so, not. <laughs> now, I, I never, I mean, she's, so I came into town, I'll just say that, like, I was like Little Miss Pris Girl Next Door, like, not the girl, you can't see me, but, you know, I've got pink hair and tattoos, and, but when I came, I just was, you know, pretty innocent, um, hadn't even been drinking or anything, and I just, long blonde, I really believed that, like, you needed to look like Shania Twain and Faith Hill, like, I believe that. Like, I worked hard at being that girl when I first got here. I would look, you know, dress for hours before I'd go to the studio. And I was going to the studio with John Rich and Big Kenny. And Gretchen was in the booth, so I couldn't see her. And I heard John first say, he pressed a button and he said to the engineer, like, tell her to quit dipping on that mic. And I assumed she was like swooping her head, like, and it was catching like a different level. And then she came out of that booth, and she had a cup, <laughs> and she, so she was, she with was the dipping like tobacco. a like a tobacco dip in her mouth. And so she like just my first impression was of her was like she walked out and stuck her finger into her cheek and pulled, a- and pulled out a big wad and flung it, and then spit. And then turn around and walk back in, and John was like, "She's gonna be a superstar," and I was just like, "You are out of your mind, crazy. That yeah. is never gonna happen." And I was almost just mildly offended. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, because I was like, "Do you know how long it took me to?" But you know, she was so talented. He was right, and she would go in there and she just sang like, sang like yeah. the stuff. The redneck woman was catchy and it was great. You could hear her sing, but when if you ever heard her sing. You're just right. on a mile, just sit like it was just like wow how did that even come out well, of here? even john sing I, I was shocked when oh he's beautiful you know when we were in the front building and they took that back building oh yeah you know and then he'd come in and go Anders, have a look at my new pistol mm-hmm. and then the red light would be <laughs> around running around the room and i'd never been you know mm-hmm. that much connected to firearms it was to freak me out you know yeah. uh, but then i wandered back there a few times and he was singing demos and i was just like Beautiful. My God, damn, yeah. this guy's got a voice, you know? He's incredible. So his brother's, is his brother talented too? I, John's brother, I feel like he's doing something now in the music business, a little boy, but like, not little boy, but he was little when I met him. I haven't seen him in years, but I feel like he is doing so. Isaac. Right. So John came from nothing too, though, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Nothing. Trailer yeah. parks. Yeah. Wow. He's not messing around right now. No, yeah. no, no. 
I don't know. We've kind of covered some pretty interesting subject matter, haven't we? Yeah, it's so, crazy. So let's just circle a little bit. So, so our thing started with uh, pretty much a record of lyrically what Mitzi was going through, hmm. you know, um, feeling emotionally. And that was kind of, we described it as lyric vomit. Uh-huh. I mean, everything came out like a therapeutic. And like she said, I just let her be Lucinda and I just supported that musically. And I would come up with something and then she would just flow. And that record, you know, specifically, you know, I, I really never partake in much lyrical content because I didn't have to. And, you know, these days and before my relationship with you, I was the lyric guy, and mm-hmm. when we started writing, I'm like, I'm just getting out of the way, you know. <laughs> and there's no point in me even opening my mouth, mm. you know, because it's, what she had to say was so personal and she was so prolific at it. So, you know, I think that was a, a, a timepiece stamped that that was your life and that was our experience in that point. And I think that's what was cool. And we're going to um, we're going to get that. Uh, that record up on streaming and Spotify yeah. and whatever it's called, Train Wrecks and Pink Clouds. You know, so we're gonna we're gonna get that damn thing back out and re-released. We need to get it out there because yeah. you, the, you did a lot of things that were great, which the, that record never would have happened because you create you you created a space a safe space for that record those words to come like where other co-writers or producers when you say something like. Um, I wish there was less of me to hate. Oh man, that's you remember that song? Of course I do. I yeah. wish there was yeah. less of me to hate. I just got chills, and and you not only allowed it in the song, but you allowed it to be the hook. And yeah. my favorite was on my two-year sober day anniversary. Eighty-three million. Heartbeats. Yeah, and we figured, and he sat and helped me figure out how many heartbeats it have happened that, that in was, two years. Well, I mean, that was kind of like, holy dooly, how are you going to figure that out? Yeah, and, we Googled I, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, man, you know. So we have And we played, million. you know, you yeah. can see that on YouTube because, um, oh, yeah. you know, there's John Raven captured some video of us performing with Ben back in those days oh. and we were playing um, Happy and we were playing 83s up there that, mm-hmm. that John got. Um, so there is some stuff of us playing back there when, mm. you know, Back in that, yeah. So it's kind of cool, but yeah, we'll definitely get this record up so people could listen to and Mm -hmm. tell tell them about your new project and how that came about and and that's up now. It's on playlists and Mm -hmm. and it is. It's the first time that I've done one alone. I think Michael kind of helped set me up to feel a little bit confident with letting me write all the lyrics (laughs) and um. And I've been pretty isolated a little over the last, because Michael and I, um, with music, like he said, our, our um, music row, just leaving, it kind of made me sad hearing you talk about it. I hadn't thought about it, but that was a family. And when they tore that down, it just um, yeah. it's not a family anymore. Right. We could sit outside the front of that building and, yeah. you know. We sat on the porch and yeah. waved at each other from yeah. the porch yeah. to porch. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, and Heidi and mm-hmm. Chase Heidi used to sit out there smoking mm-hmm. and talking to people. And we used to, and Ben would sit around the corner. And that's that was a community. It was our community. And we would know, we'd see, it just wasn't anything to know who was cutting and be able to walk over there and be yep. like, hey, here's this. Yeah, it was so, a different era. So different. So it's kind of like went through like a phase of just like, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, I think, you know, my wife talks about all these great writers that just left. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to do? And we've got friends that, you know, not mentioning names that are amazing songwriters that mm-hmm. are selling auto parts 
you know, and, you know, we were discussing earlier today, you know, Mitzi and I, exactly that. It's like, you know, I had a hiatus purely because we tried to find out where, Mm -hmm. you know, where's the next resource. So, you know, I was diving more into film and composing for film and trying to find out where's the next anchor. Mm -hmm. But I think we've thrown all that away and just gone. Well, because we're musicians. If we don't don't just do what we love, you know, God's going to strike down on us and throw us back, back, back to where we're supposed to be and that's kind of what's happened mm-hmm. is uh, we've we've all gone through some really weird times and and uh, i think the planet's going through weird times and i think we've all been you know yeah. kind of more spiritual about the way we're thinking the way mm-hmm. we're living uh, because we're worried about our future of our children and mm-hmm. our grandchildren and and what's the planet and so there's a whole turn, not just what happened in our music business. The internet changed that. Yeah. And now we have to adapt to that. And, and that's what we're doing. And we're delicate too with a podcast. And that's what we're doing. I mean, yeah. but it's so it's accessible now. Like where before we had to share what, all of our royalties with publishing companies and all of these things. And it's like, we I just made this record. It's all and yours. And I uploaded it and I own it. And you're playing I, tonight. And a little girl was singing the song. And she heard it. And so she just told me the story. Yeah. She said she could see this girl in the audience singing the lyrics. And she went up to the girl and the girl mm-hmm. said. She said it was in her um, suggested, what was it, on Spotify? New Discovery. Or Discovery. Something. And I was yeah. just like, how? So I'm. they're putting me in the Discovery category. category on Spotify. And I did nothing except for upload the music. And it's just doing, it's doing amazing. There's. Um, but I think that it's organic, like we were talking about. It's like we got, I got rid of the, how am I going to figure this out and who's going to like this and who's going to do it? And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And who, if one person hears it and they love it, fine. If nobody hears it, I love it. It's okay. And then all of a sudden, um, since there's no kind of, um, fear when they take away the fear. No, someone told me what fear stands for. Everything in rhyme? No, it means fear stands for uh, false illusions appearing real. Mm. Mm. So then they have the other, so you can either F everything and run or (laughs) face everything and recover. Wow. Okay, you're smarter than me. Well, no, I hear it in the 12 step meetings I go to. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize when yeah. I was scoring that film, Wisdom, to know the difference that it was even a recovery film. Until no. I, yeah, until I watched the whole film, because I got it in pieces, I had no clue, you know? So funny. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. So that's kind of cool. So, so so there's no fear, and I just put it out there, and then all of a sudden, you know, in in one month, there's like, I went from like 1,000 to over 3,000 fans. Like in a month. It's just like every Jeez. time I look, there's more people. And they're sharing, and they're talking about it. And then, like I was telling you, we had companies. So I'm talking about, like, this was Tim McGraw's company. And yeah. and Doc McGee has Darius Rucker and Kiss and Motley Crue and Bell. Like, and our songs, and Jovi, our yeah. records yeah. didn't get on the thing. Like, these, this record mm. is just, and it had nothing, nothing to do with content. It just has to do with, like. The driver. The driver. Yeah, I guess everybody mm. was, you know. And I think, you know, people are so tied up in their day to day Mm -hmm. and there's people that have jobs that 
as long as they're showing up and doing their job mm -hmm. they don't have the emotional connection to the music we write mm -hmm. and I think the most difficult thing is in a town like this that you know there was kind of formats and when those formats go away and I just mean mm -hmm. you know the publisher would say you are doing this this week here's your rights that I've set up. Mm -hmm. And you would have regular rights because all of a sudden the publisher would realise that magic happens with that group or mm -hmm. whatever. And that's how these little clicks happen. Yeah. And, you know, I always wanted to be, I suppose, alternative because I enjoy the alternative side. And when alternative people come into my world, I get kind of excited because mm. I want to go against the grain and living in Australia I was lucky enough that those people were drawn to me because of the music I was making mm -hmm. so I would be more of a magnet to that fabric right and then when I started to get into record making here um, you know Coles Whalen from Colorado was mm -hmm. kind of different and Chill King and then I met you and so there was a it was good for me around that time that there was music that I enjoyed doing and wanted to do mm -hmm. so you know but anyway, and that, you that, do. I'm mean, like, as soon as you, were, I mean, how incredible you are! Like, as soon as you started playing me the intro to this podcast, I was like, can we just write a song about with that? Like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> like every time you pick up a guitar, I just words start falling out of my face, and so um, well, I you were born to do that. Like this. Well, is your I know thing. it's it's kind of scary, and I think we, I think you know, the older we get, you know, I, someone said something to me a couple of weeks ago, and it. I think that was when the light bulb really started to switch on. He said, Mike, he said, uh, you know, we might have been doing this for 20 odd years or 30 years, mm -hmm. but it's the last five years now we've got to learn again. Yes. It's what's happened in this last five years and the future. Forget everything we learned other than our skill set. Mm -hmm. That is where we're going. And if we don't, and this whole playlist thing with the streamers, mm -hmm. if you. If Mitzi Dawn is on with Lucinda, with Mindy Smith, mm -hmm. or with, you know, favourite, you know, Ingrid Michaelson, or mm -hmm. that's how you then, the whole world changes because these kids, you know, they're discovering you through their favourite artists. So, and, and it's by association where before, you know, we'd walk into a record shop back in the old days and the guy behind the counter would say, hey man, I know you love... Ray Lamontagne, right. you're going to love the new John Hyatt record. Right. You know, or you, I saw you bought that Neil Young record, you're going to like mm -hmm. Bob Dylan or whatever that may have been. Exactly. That's how it happened because they knew your taste and your style of what you bought. Yeah. Now, if you're not on the, if you're on a playlist like you're now, who else are the discovery artists? So you need to obviously listen to that. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I've been discovering with these people I've been discussing streaming with is... It's all about that marriage, and mm. and I um, I've been um, I've got a playlist on my phone when I go for my walks, you know, and I obviously get to put my own stuff. And then my youngest son Caleb, he's you know been working with me in the studio, mm -hmm. so he's kind of knows that I love that grainy alternative mm -hmm. country, and found this new guy John Morland. Mm -hmm. You heard of him? Mm -hmm. He's this oh man, it's just it's, it's so I'll moving. Take him out on the, the new Buddy and Julie record mm -hmm. it's great did i get to tell you i got to play with buddy miller no i got to play with buddy miller oh my gosh. um yeah I, back in the colder months of this year um i returned from australia and uh, the manager of a 
uh, of a what was once a homeless street musician oh. named Doug Seegers, mm-hmm. who became successful overseas, was doing a, uh, a BMG showcase, mm-hmm. and Buddy and Lauderdale and all these guys were to join us. So, yeah. so I got to hear one of my favourite singers. <sighs> I was playing steel guitar and, uh, and some dobro and some guitar. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Buddy turned around and said, play the steel guitar solo in this, you know. And yeah. Said, yes, sir. Yes, you know. sir. <laughs> uh, but it was so cool to have, to have that experience. Wow. I mean, when you have one of your heroes mm-hmm. and you're backing your hero, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've admired Buddy Miller and his recordings. I mean, as a producer, I was always in love with Daniel Lenoir, as you mm-hmm. know. And then I was in love with... John Leventhal. So they're kind of the three people that mm. I've enjoyed and not say copied, but, you know, bathed in their oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of my, my fun. And mm. to get to talk to Buddy on this level and then play with him was kind of like a just an enjoyable thing to do, you know. Yeah. But uh, and you get you've been have you got on stage with Hyatt? No. No? I've gone to lunch with him, but I didn't get on stage with him. Mm. There's a, I was just sitting here trying to think about a hero of mine. That you've performed with? Yeah. Did, did Leanne Womack do something the other day you said? She's that? doing something Thursday um, with us. But I would say, like, honestly, like the biggest thing, and it's going to sound silly, but when I was a kid, I listened to Reba mm. and Katie Oslin and the Judds. And we went to Reba's concert, but we didn't have any money. But it was in the Charger Stadium in California, and so the, it was opened on top. So we sat in the parking lot, and I listened to Reba sing from the parking lot because it, just to hear her. Wow. And so... Now she's singing your damn song. And now she, Yeah, now I got to hear her voice on my song. So I think that's, like, my closest, like... Yeah, that's ...thing to be in, like, a... Because she was my, like, queen... Like, she's... Yeah. There's nothing else. Well, I, when I, I was little, you know, that's Well, I was I, little. I was 15. <clears throat> my cousin moved into my house, and I got exposed to all these amazing things from Joni Mitchell to John Martin to blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. But I was a, always a Bob Dylan fan, and I always wanted to know a little bit about Bob Dylan. You know, I really wanted to... What ticks inside a guy's head mm-hmm. like Bob Dylan? And... Um, I worked on a film set and Ratso, Larry Ratso Sloman wrote the script mm. who worked with Bob tons of times, mm-hmm. did Bob videos, wrote On the Road with Bob Dylan, the book. Okay. He wrote Scar Tissue, the story of mm. Anthony Kiedis. Yeah. He wrote High Times. He wrote all the Howard Stern books. And he was the chief editor for Rolling Stone. <clears throat> so I got a lot of Bob Dylan stories from Ratso. But, mm. but anyway, um, you may or may not remember, but I worked – a few times uh, with Charlie Sexton mm-hmm. and uh, and I said to Charlie Sexton who plays with Bob Dylan still does just give me something right you know because I think they have to sign an agreement that they're not allowed to talk about Bob you know? <laughs> and he says oh all right I'll give you something and I'm just waiting for this moment mm-hmm. and he says I get to walk on stage with the greatest songwriter that ever lived every night oh wow and that's a good way to end our podcast do you think yes all right so Look up Mitzi Dawn. Um, at the end of this, do you think, what song should I play that we've worked on to tag out our podcast? Pick, pick a song and then I'll put it into the, uh, the outro for a, a half a minute or so. I'm guessing 83 million since that's what we, were, we talked Talking about, that about. and happy. Okay. Either that or happy. All right. Yeah. 83 million might be sweet, yeah. I think, yeah. 
Thanks for listening to Mike Flanders yeah. and Mitzi Dawn. And uh, keep listening, subscribe, go to Spotify and listen to her new song, which is titled... Oh. Jeez, there's eight of them. There's eight of them? Yeah. Which, which one's the girl listening to? Oh, that's called Take Me. Take Me. Yeah. All right. Well, listen to Take Me, subscribe, and listen to that on Spotify. <laughs> Put it on your playlist. Yeah. And, uh, and then over the next couple of months, you'll find the record we're talking about called... Yeah, train wrecks. train wrecks and pink clouds. <laughs> Signing off. Thanks so much. Good night. Good night. Eighty-three million heartbeats, and I finally feel better. Two years ago, I thought I'd never Never laugh again, never find my smile Never dance, never sing, but never only took A little while Look at me Mistaken, yeah. It took what it took, it takes what it takes, and I can look back on each mistake, and I can be gracious. Cause nothing changes if nothing changes in me, and when I feel better but two years ago I thought I'd never